Hi, this is Logos Legacy. Today I'm interviewing Robert Maxim, author of Legacy and other novels which have a very clear new age, or should I say old age, themes. He's also a YouTuber and has a range of other projects that may be of interest to those of a new age persuasion or mystical persuasion. So, Robert, how are you doing? Uh, doing great this morning. Uh, hello to everyone, and thank you for giving me this opportunity to reach out to the masses. Right. Well, this is um, this is going to be interesting. So, what's your story? How did you get here? Well, uh, it starts when I was about five years old, and I was kind of a uppy type of kid that liked to get involved with everything. I picked up the violin when I was two, picked up the piano when I was three. I was very mechanical minded. I would fix watches when I was two years old. Uh, I had my first past life viewing two weeks after being born. Uh, I felt like I am today when I was a baby. I tried to speak. Uh, I had various memories of other lifetimes and things I had done, but no one would kind of listen or understand. Uh, mind you, I was born in Cuba. So uh, Cuba's regiment and the culture that they lived under kind of squashed these things and you had to put them behind the curtain. You really could not come out with it. And so it turns out that when I was five, I had a sighting over Havana Harbor, and it was a very large mothership, uh, and I was just stunned. I had never seen a spacecraft of any type, so I was just stunned by it, and as I was watching it, suddenly I felt regenerated, transformed. Uh, my, my entire life changed. The, the person I was changed immediately. Then I watched it turn, it was standing upright. It turned sideways and just vanished into the horizon. Bright blue sky, no clouds whatsoever. I guesstimate that the speed based on distance and size was over 60 to 70,000 kilometers per hour when it took off. It was just really fast. Uh, an interest, boiled in me after that to find out who I was, why I was, what was creation about, what was the cosmos, what was being presented to us both uh, through belief, governmental and scientific systems, was it correct? I started doubting everything. Uh, and so I started my research, I started to study. And I felt driven to study this, study that. I became a concert pianist uh, at the age of 11 and left the country then, came to the States. And I continued my work here until I was about 15 years old. That's when the big one happened. By big one, uh, it was an evening, it was about 9 p.m. And all of a sudden outside of the house, as close as half a block away, probably no more than 50, 60 meters of that, 
scraft, uh, spacecraft showed up by the dozens. And I was driven to go outside with the telescope. And yeah, they were buzzing by, appearing, disappearing, appearing, disappearing, traveling, coming close, uh, going away. And I was using the telescope to get a better view of it. But a few minutes into that, all of a sudden, I felt uh, terribly sleepy. And best I could, I gathered the telescope and there were like about a dozen steps to go up to the door. I never made it. I fell asleep on the steps. The telescope fell. I fell on the steps. Next thing I know, I was in my bedroom, tucked away. Uh. The, tel the telescope was in that corner. My parents were nowhere to be found. They never took me to bed. I was a single child. Uh, I was wearing uh, evening clothes that didn't fit me anymore. Shoes were in the right place, socks tucked in nicely, clothes were tucked away in a hanger. I was not that kind of person. How that was done, I have no clue. But I was watching a clock, and it was about two seconds to 10 p.m. And all of a sudden, I go out. I travel through a lighted tunnel. I end up in a whole other subdimension, and I am dazed. Where am I? What's going on? Uh, I am inside of this in, almost, let's call it a room or a house. I could see nature outside, and I am told, you will be returned within two hours. You are on Venus. The next thing I know is that I am looking at rocks that look crystalline, grass that was crystalline, uh, flowers that were crystalline. They were all emitting light. They were alive. They, they, you could sense that they were like people. They had feelings. They had intelligence. They would turn towards you and bow and, and give you a scent. I would touch them, and they felt like the real McCoy, the real thing. Uh, I was I'm taking, you something. Uh, yeah, yeah. Was this third dimensional Venus or was this higher dimensional Venus? Higher dimensional. So fifth dimensional or higher? Actually between third and fourth. Okay. Astral, we could call it. Oh, uh, right, right. Yeah. And I saw the people, there were, there were five individuals, two male, three female. They were Nordic, very tall. Uh, light around them. Uh, they were masters and they guided me throughout the planet. They taught me a whole slew of things, uh, took me to their, their cities, their temples, showed me air aircraft uh, or, or UFOs, how they worked. This, this is really, really amazing. So I get taken into a spacecraft to basically look like a hat. How Would did you, you feel? Were you afraid? Not at all. This to me, this was heaven, and I was being escalated in consciousness from one subdimension up to the next, up to the next, up to the next, up to the next, being raised. Uh, and as I as I stepped up dimensions from Venus, all of a sudden space changed. Uh, I could see the Earth a whole lot closer than it is from Venus. Space and time just changing the sun, I could look at it without burning my eyes. 
it was l much larger than it would from Venus. Uh, and, uh, landscape changed. Uh, it's like having a world within a world within a world with each each frequency band or intelligence band in which I was in. Um, but the curious thing about the spacecraft is it, the width, there, it, it was a saucer, right? With a, with a bottom plate and a hub on top, black. So we step up to, to the hub. The hub was probably no more than, I have to convert to meters, I'm American, unfortunately. Uh, so I would say maybe four or five meters in width, the cabin. And I looked inside and inside, it was literally like 12 meters wide. So like a TARDIS. Oh, so I look outside again, small. I look inside, huge. Look outside, small. Look inside, huge. And I'm scratching my head <laughs> and the masters are all laughing, smiling. <laughs> <yeah>. <laughs> uh, but they invite me inside uh, and I sit down with a master, uh, a woman master. Very, very, very kind, very sweet. Uh, the pilot went to controls behind me and disappeared. Controls and pilot went to another subdimension. Uh, uh, the walls, all of a sudden, part of it, part of them became crystalline. I could see outside. I could see flowers, trees. Uh, we were near a river, and I could see that the spacecraft is taking off. I feel no feet, no no movement, and the, and the master. Yeah, yeah. Uh -huh. uh, how does this craft? How does it move? Is it is it a Merkaba-based craft, or I, I'm not sure what exactly I'm asking. To be honest, what's it? Is it organic in some way, or is it completely? How does it work? Difficult to describe because in each subdimension, materia is different. Uh, technology and science is different. Uh, uh, at atoms are different. Uh, it's a whole different science in each step that you go, but how in, in practice to build, and I was explained to me how this works, that electricity, magnetism, and ozonization creates mobility. And then they explain how. Uh, it's a concept known as Lorentz. Uh, oh, Lorentz? Right, yeah. Yeah, so basically you create, uh, you have an electrode, which is an electric field uh, in a pole, right? Uh, and then you have gyrating centrifuges with liquid mercury inside. The liquid mercury as the centrifuge spins, the inner part of course is lagging, the outer part is leading. It's creating this swath of mercury being pushed towards the outside because of centrifugal forces and it's electrified, so it creates a toroid field. Uh, so you have one centrifuge going in one direction, another one outside of it going in another direction, and yet another one going opposite. So the, the third one controls cabin gravity. The inner two create a vacuum, help create a vacuum on top of the craft in a high pressure area like an airfoil below the craft, because the Lorentz field with the electrode and those two opposite toroids are creating a force field downward. And that's what gives you levity. Like a donut sort of um, exactly. a 3D. Exactly. Well, I wouldn't say 3D because it's probably more than 3D, but like a donut. And yes. somehow that makes it, they can move it which way they like. 
Well, once they have uh, gravity gravity controlled, then they use um, uh, cathode rays that come off of this electrode. This electrode is almost like it's also like a battery, and you have probes that go into it, and you have cathode rays that are produced from the electric field, and they're put out of the craft. Uh, that cathode pushes the envelope of that toroid, and that's what causes attraction with the atmosphere and causes you to move. Uh, and the Lorentz field is constantly adjusting itself inside the craft, so it self-controls gravity, and that's why you don't sense movement. That's why you can go in every direction. There's no movement. And they showed that to me, and I was just overly impressed by that. Uh, but when this was finalized, they took me to uh, the, sub, the highest subdimension that I could withstand. This is getting closer to the fourth dimension, celestial dimension. Uh, I could not stay there long uh, uh, because in that environment, one thought from one individual, just one quick thought is everything that they have ever known in their evolution, plus their future, plus their higher self. It's all boom, right there. And it's just like, like a head bomb. You like manifestation or you just suddenly experience it? You suddenly experience it. Uh, it's a telepathic awareness of the person. So being, these beings do not have names. They don't call each other things. Their name is this knowledge that they have. And it's all in one thought. They know each other just, is it like a crown checker thing? Yes. Right. Yes. And so uh, I hear often that people say, well, uh, I am talking to this being from this world. No, they don't have names. They call each other brothers and sisters. Uh, names are for us. But in reality, uh, they neither give names nor messages. They teach you so that through your example of what you learned and showing how you live, you then represent that teaching. It's like going to school. Let's say you go, I'm a musician. So I go to music school and the teacher shows me how to play Tchaikovsky. So now I go to the piano in a concert and I demonstrate, I play Tchaikovsky the way it should be, how I understand it. Uh, so this is how they work with us. They will not give a message for the masses. They will give a message for you so that then you pass on what you've learned. Uh, so this was a very important message that was given Question. to me. When yes. you... The, the method that they advise when it comes to teaching, is it teaching what's true for you and with the perspective of yourself that it's just your truth rather than that it's the truth that they must learn? Precisely. Right, because you can get involved, can't it? Like I, I notice that myself sometimes. That it's just like... It can seem so much like something is just the way it is. But then other views threaten you, don't they? 
if you have that sort of perspective. Exactly. It's, it is geared towards you. We are all filters. We're all in different states of evolution and knowledge. So therefore, they will pattern a learning to what you are, to what you can siphon off of that message. And it's a very complicated process. So you have a master who is going to work with you and help you evolve. So the master will enter into awareness with your higher self. That higher self will then work through a whole channel of intelligences within your soul until reaching who you are here. Uh, and that's something I need to explain. Once I explain this, everything will be clear. It would take me a minute. So basically, uh, we have a soul. The soul is composed of various spirits or intelligences. So, for example, here on Earth, we have uh, what we call the lower self, the ego, who we sense right now. But when we part from this world, and I have had this experience, I've had two death experiences, all of a sudden your mentality changes. Uh, you, you fear nothing. You feel wiser. You feel connected with infinity. That's your consciousness. That's another spirit, another intelligence level within you that connects to your consciousness. Your consciousness is where your consciousness rises. It's picking up an intelligence from your soul and expressing it. So in Venus, this was happening. When I went through that light tunnel, I felt like a different person. That's because my con I have someone, I am someone else in this upper subdimension already coexisting. And Are you both? Yes. Not only both, you're millions of you within your soul. And your consciousness, where it goes, it connects to that intelligence. And now it feels that you, that you are there. But you're uh, not any less this personality either, right? Exactly. Give you an example. Example. Here on Earth, we have various entities that we are already. Uh, you have an entity that might be, say, the entity that feels anger, the one that feels fear, uh, the one that knows how to play piano, uh, the one that is uh, maybe um, knows math, uh, different emotions are different yous. And the consciousness is toggling back and forth like a radio dial just dialing into each of these intelligences that you have here. The ego is a range. It has a low band and it has a higher band. The consciousness is constantly tuning back and forth, back and forth between these intelligences. In upper subdimensions, it's the same thing. You go to say an astral subdimension like Venus or a higher subdimension of Mars, for example, and you're feeling 
you, you can see you, you're alive, but you feel different, you know, different. You can even know other languages. Uh, you can know other sciences because you are someone higher there. So the soul is a container of intelligence that you have created over the eons in different subdimensions simultaneously. Can I ask you something? Yes. Um, to clarify, is it true or not? Are you saying that on Earth we are contained within someone on another planet? Or is it more like they're cousins or something? Well, in, in your soul, well, in my soul, I am now experiencing who I am at this level. At a higher level, there is another me in a higher sub-dimension. That higher me could be in Venus, could be uh, in Hermes, could be in, so in some other place. But yet, it is still a member of the same soul. So imagine that the soul is like a huge building with numerous floors. The ego is first floor. The higher self is say floor number 120. But between floor one and 120, there are various mansions, like Jesus said, in my father's house, there are many mansions. And in your house, you have various mansions, places where you exist where you live in the same way two questions mm -hmm. um so are anger or are fear or are love or are compassion um are these just as much us as anything else yes but they're not within us in truth they're just at different levels of frequency they are within us because we have observed those levels of frequency and we have adopted them by observation, trial and error and experience into us. We have made a copy of the infinite of that expression and now put it inside. Are we us. within them? We are all within each other. Right. Because I was just trying to ascertain was this withinness is this withinness a an equally thing or is it a hierarchical thing and it seems that it's actually an equal thing and that's right imagine that you go watch a movie and there's a scene of the movie that you really loved you remember the actors you remember the clothing the music you can even sense the weather that was in, in that film, whether it was misty, raining, cold, hot, you remember all of that, you made it part of you, you made it a copy, now it's within you. So this is what we do incarnation after incarnation after incarnation. We come to adopt these things, but there's one other thing that we do. In that huge edifice, there is an elevator that goes top to bottom and it stops at these floors 
to experience who is there. Now, when it comes to the first floor, to experience that ego, to experience that lower self, the first floor, that's what we call reincarnation. When it leaves the first floor and it starts going up to another experience level that you have in your soul, we call that death. But as you can see, the consciousness, that elevator never dies, never sleeps, never stops. It is the agent of experience, the educator of all of these little floors that you have, because that is your mission. The super consciousness, the higher self has created that elevator in all of these floors so that it can experience, it can gather, it can copy these experiences to learn, to grow, uh, and to perfect knowledge of that, that experience. What is right? What is not so right? And slowly begin to elevate these levels of intelligence up and up and up and begin to join them together so that after millions of years, maybe billions of years, all of these intelligence and all of these levels finally come to Papa. They converge yeah. though, right? Exactly. Like roots or like branches. Yes. And now that super consciousness, the mission, the mission and the study and the growth of, the, of that plant, that super consciousness is not complete. And now that super consciousness can enter into the fourth dimension and start a whole new process again. And eventually after much evolution, it will again converge its structure and now enter into the fifth dimension and on and on and on and on forever to infinity. Uh, this I can say because I am no master, but I can say that fourth dimension is there is no uh, length with height in time, like Einstein said. It's strictly vibrant energy. Uh, takes me a minute to describe it. So you Imagine, experienced it before you get into that. You experienced it when you were there, or an astral, the astral world. You experienced it like it was as if it was three D. Exactly. Because Do we experience anything akin to? space and time no it, okay. like, I, like i said the science of these subdimensions each one is different uh you think of being in a place you're there you see a building you want to change it it changes uh, uh you want the sun to be there it's there uh there is no time there's no space it's all thought and energy immediately how immediately there's there's it's all no, the moment it's the moment yes it's the moment because this is what the consciousness is consciousness is moment um so what it is imagine a wheel with vibrant energy all around that wheel uh briefly there i have mathematics for it uh, basically i already described how a spacecraft works this energy works the same way. This energy pulses in, pulses out, pulses in, 
pulls us out. The ring, when it pulls us in, converges in the center, that becomes what we know as electric field and space. When this converges, the force pushing it in, it's a Lorentz field. When it converges in that center, that becomes a magnetism or what we know as time. So space and time is electricity and magnetism. And it appears that way from the fourth dimension. That's how it works. And all of the vibrations are instructions within that ring that when they pulse through, when they converge into that dot, it becomes sequential. It becomes an so atom. Are yes. the people, is the craft, is it, um, the, um, is it, I'm not sure how to ask this, is it like <laughs> the result of the people on it yes. um, and their energy work together? Yes. When you are in a spacecraft, you are the spacecraft. The spacecraft is like uh, a copy of your intelligence. You are the pilot of the spacecraft and the way that you, that you feel, the spacecraft disappears and now you are standing in the air, you're standing in space. And just like in another dimension, when, you, when, when your thought is, I wanna be there, boom, you're there. That's why you see these craft fly so fast because they are mentally in another sub-dimension. They're so we're really all here. on a spacecraft. Sorry, I'm interrupting, but uh, we're all on a spacecraft and uh -huh. on some level uh, within a spacecraft, within a spacecraft. And it, everything is a, is a set of interlocking Lorentz fields yes. infinitely, right? Yes. And a Lorentz field is a spacecraft. And the matter and energy are the same thing in a sense. Yes. And it's yes. all... Well, of course, it's all one. <laughs> I already know that, but there there's different go. ways of experientially knowing it's all one, right? It can be mm -hmm. academic, or you can get. I had a, I heard in my head once. Mm -hmm. I don't know if it's my spirit guide or what, but I heard you are on a spacecraft. But I, I got scared <laughs> when I heard it, and I, I don't, I don't know if I believed it, and I didn't really understand it, but now I understand it. So. <laughs> Yeah, and something else that we need to consider is a planet works exactly like a spacecraft. Uh, a star works exactly like a spacecraft. Moreover, Earth is a star. There's no such thing stars? as a planet. I'm sorry? Are we stars? Uh, the Earth is. Venus is. Except it has a crust outside of it, a solid crust. That's the only difference. Um, one thing that I should mention that is of great interest is um, the difference between the fourth and the fifth dimension. The fourth dimension I already described is energy and vibration. The fifth dimension is will. Will is what creates the energy pattern for the fourth dimension, which creates the physical hologram of the third dimension. It's all a chain of development, which is all mentally created so that we have the supposed illusion of reality. But that's why as you go to other subdimensions, it's a different reality because the common intelligence in that level creates that reality. We have to be ready for it. 
And there's a lot of discussion going around that we're moving into the fifth dimension. That should be rethought. Uh, Our awareness is shifting into it, but we're already in it. Is that more true? Uh, we're far, 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 far from it. Okay. Far from what it. is, the, okay, two things. Uh-huh. What is, um, wait, I need to think of a way to phrase this. Oh, shit, I've got, <laughs> the second question kind of <laughs> replaced the first question uh, in my mind. Take your time. So what's the connection between will and love the ah, second question is what is then happening with regard to this ascension so to speak ascension is the degree of love that you understand and love is wisdom everything in creation is love it's a level of wisdom. It is what it is. An energy pulse is consistent. It knows what to do. It is a mind. It has a mission. It will react with another energy pulse and consistently do the very same thing it was asked to do. And that's what intelligence is. It reacts. It interacts. It, it has uh, a mission. That is the pulse of creation. That is what the great fountainhead is. It's a creator of intelligence. Every, every energy pulse that we have here is not electric. It's not magnetic. It's will. And the fact that it exists and it is what it is, that is love. Love is truth. Love is existence. Love is expressing correctly and not going against the will. It is understanding. So love is the infinite. And love but, is the elevator tree, which is infinite. God. Yes. Yes. And the more love you understand, the more you comprehend of creation and sustain it. It's key. And sustain it. Then you begin to elevate that is our mission. That's what the consciousness comes to do here, to educate would like to, the ego, to raise it up, to ascend the ego and do that okay. convergence we talked about. I have a question and I got into, I got into mysticism via something called the law of one. It was a channeling of a being that called itself Ra and I don't know if you're aware of it or not, but it talks about these yes. different densities. And according to the raw material, the, mm -hmm. the next density we're ascending to from third to fourth, which is connected to the solar plexus, moving into the fourth density, which is connected to the heart chakra opening, uh, if I'm correct. And my impression was that the fourth density is about love and about whether you're loving as an equal with others with an open heart or in a hierarchical close-hearted way. And that's a choice. However, you said that the fifth dimension, which to my understanding is the equivalent of the fourth density, which I might not be correct, is about will. 
And you did say that everything is about love, but I would like to understand the, I'm sure it's the same thing, just understood from a different angle or different phrasing or something. Could you help me, you know, bridge the gap in my mind between these two conceptualizations? Absolutely. I have to go back to the Shanshung and to the Kalakakra Tantra. If we read it carefully, carefully, especially in the Tibetan records, we find out that it talks about wheels, Shambhala. And it says that Shambhala is not here. Shambhala is a spiritual realm. And from Shambhala came the leader of Atlantis and it came the leader of the Kalakakra in Tibet. Chakra is that wheel. Chakra is not anywhere in the body. It's not a crown, it's not heart, it's not solar plexus. That is a misinterpretation of the Tantra. Uh, but to understand that, we have to really dig into Tibetan material. So what really is the chakra? The chakra is a school. Uh, in the place that was in when I was 15, and I have been to four of these already, uh, there are seven, seven chakras. Wheel, round, a world. There are seven worlds in Shambhala. Shambhala is a spiritual, nearly fourth dimensional school of, of which there are seven. Each has a color. Venus is one of them. Blue, healing. You have, let me see if I remember them all. You have healing, you have music, art, education, philosophy, devotion leadership. Each of them has a color. The color of your wall is the color of one of the Shambhala worlds, which is muse, art, expression, music, sculpture. Uh, how do you heal through to music? What is the science of music? How can you use music for devotion, for leadership? It's all integrated. And as you attend between lives or while you sleep, these schools, you then bring that color into your local lower self-expression. So that's why sometimes your soul may be seen by visionaries as having a green color or a blue color or a reddish color. Um, it's not the position of the chakra. So the energy... It's, Am I correct? The energy of one of the planets within this solar system, each of which embodies a certain uh, school of energy, um, that energy field is equally interlocked with ours. Yes. And in our incarnation, that energy is within us in a positioned in a line like that, you know, making up the illusion of chakras 
um, as often understood, maybe a helpful illusion, maybe not. Am I correct? It's all over your field. It's not centralized in any place. It's your entire aura. Uh, it is uh, overshadowing everything that you are. Is this a simplification uh, um, that is taught like, you know, like children might be taught a simplified version of what's true? Pretty much. Right. So it's not like a mistake. It's just a certain step of understanding. Right. Correct. Right. It's the understanding of what a chakra is and how chakra is related to Shambhala in the spiritual worlds. Um, like I mentioned, Venus is one of them. Uh, you have Hermes, which is in Gemini. You have Eros, which is in Centauri. There is a total of seven of them. Um, and in each, there is a section of all the other six. So, for example, in Venus, you have a, an art segment, you have a science segment, you have a devotion segment. Uh, but the focus is healing, uh, medicine. Uh, aligning your soul with truth, understanding the mind, how the mind can heal you, and how the ego is what makes you sick. Uh, all of the experiences and traumas from the past, how they interfere between the consciousness and the physical, making you ill, maybe being born without an arm, being born blind. Uh, that is what is taught in Venus. And now that I enter into that topic, uh, it's very important to know how the soul works. And imagine that in conception, of course, the ovum begins to grow into a fetus, into a child. Uh, and there's a huge mystery of how the DNA works and if DNA maintains memory and stuff like that. It doesn't. The memory is all in the consciousness. The consciousness has the DNA pattern it sends it down to the physical. That's how you get your DNA. But in between the two, the ego gets in the way. It's the filter. So there's a template. Way. Sorry, can I just, yes. is it correct that there's a template and there's a filter and then there's a result? A bit like yes. how the brain is a map of the mind through a filter and the rest of the body is too perfectly said and now you can you can see that as you recall past lives and you work out your past life syndromes you heal yourself you eliminate that filter and now the signal can get right through and it fixes the problem uh, i have had tons of healings from pemphigus to uh, deathly diseases all, all kinds of problems uh, and seeing the past life trauma, so what was done, healed in minutes, other people as well. The key to healing is understanding that the mind is responsible for every mental and physical ailment that you have, 100%. It's the mind. And now you begin to understand the concept of ascension. And why we can't, uh, we are bound for the fourth dimension. And from there, we will be bound for the fifth dimension, but we have to overcome the fourth first by understanding the following concept. 
the consciousness lives, as I described before, in a subdimension. It's not here in the body. It's above it in another subdimension, watching down like an avatar, uh, where there is no time, there is no space. That consciousness is in touch with all of the lives you ever lived and will live on this subdimension, all of them. What you are right now, you are the future of your past lives, but you're also the past of your future lives. There is no such thing as present. You are now, you are now say in the year 2130, remembering this life, giving <laughs> yourself a past life reading. And not only that, <sighs> right now you are getting the lesson from that future life, whatever you figured out in, you. in that future is you're now receiving it as a teaching and overcoming, but let's say that you lived in Portugal back in the 1600s. You're now remembering that past life and you're passing lessons over to that person that you were in the 1600s in Portugal. You're not doing it through your mind. Your consciousness is doing it. Th the consciousness is that bridge that's bringing all of these lives together so that all of the lives you ever have been and will be, not that you are, there's no such thing as present. Everything you've been is now connected. You are connected to all your lives, but let's take it another step further. You are also connected to all of my lives and all of the lives of people on this planet and all of the lives of people on Mars, Venus, Alpha Centauri, the entire universe. Because consciousness, your consciousness and mine are brothers. We are one. And that is the concept we have to come to learn. That as I work out my past and my future, I'm also working yours out. We're right. all so, interconnected. We've got we're all a set of interconnected fields that are also elevators and that also love <laughs> and all the things we've discussed uh, and the the whole timeline is constantly changing itself and all the other timelines are changing themselves and each other in a constant now so to speak that kind of doesn't exist but also kind of does and i'm not of that yet um imagine imagine that you're in a bathtub and you have two faucets in front of you you're lying down your feet are towards the front where the faucets are uh you turn on this one and you have hot water coming down and you turn this one and you have cold water coming down. Between them are your legs and your feet. Okay. Now that's the way that I can best describe who you are now. You, what you think, what you feel, everything that you are right now, everything 
every word, every thought, every experience, every emotion, everything you know, everything you want, everything you hate, everything you remember, everything you feel, taste, smell, recognize, experience, everything, nothing excluded, everything is coming mostly from this hot water faucet, your past. You are not the present. You are who you were in your past. Now, also on the right side, you have that cold water faucet. You have incoming also from the future coming down into you. So every now and then you're getting inklings from the future, lessons, advice, deja vu, uh, an idea, a teaching. It's also coming in all at the same time. Life is not a mystery. Life is a bridge between two events. One timeline. One timeline that affects everyone in real in Norse time. mythology. Sorry, North Norse mythology. There's a bridge over a gap between a realm that's hot and a realm that's cold. Yes, uh, and I use that as an analogy. Bravo, that's correct. So there is no such thing as now. What you German are German gap or remember. something. Uh huh. Um. So we are not the present. We are not the future. We are not the past. We are all of it. Yes. And who is in control to help sort it out and educate it? All of us. It's, it's your consciousness. And but there's the different dots of, of consciousness at different points. Okay, so uh -huh. I'm experiencing right now this point, or whatever right now means. But also, there's other points experiencing other parts of it. Mm -hmm. And the same goes for everything or other. Um thing and all these are the same elevator tree thing anyway so and that's and all that is one vast lorenz field of lorenz fields it's kind of etc we have to stop thinking sequential we have to stop thinking of the now we have been trained and programmed to think of the now we have to step away from that. If we are going to ascend, we have to understand this concept I just mentioned. And it took me years to figure it out and be able to put it in these simple words. Basically, we experience out of time and out of space what we remember and what we will be. That's what we are right now. The ego, the ego or the lower self what we remember is only a tape recorder. It's the lowest band of intelligence and love that we have in the soul. Can we turn, can we transform into facing two wastes at once? Um, and I, I have a sense of something that's like remembering, but from the future. Um, we're remembering, <laughs> maybe. Huh? How do you think prophecy works? 
yeah or maybe you have this idea it comes to you you're like oh yeah i had this idea or maybe you were given the idea from your future self exactly now remember when you said uh maybe at this point well maybe this other point just a few minutes ago that is now past to you it's past it's now a memory <laughs> yeah. uh, we keep collecting this information putting it into our tape recorder or into our uh, a video recorder or whatever we want to call it and we keep adding and adding and adding Everything that we add, we have to go back and fix. We have to go back and educate. Or else we're not elevating. Every, every person that we are here in the lower self, we have to go back and educate. I learned how to play the violin and the piano. I have to come back and perfect it. Uh, I studied computers. Computer science is changing every minute. I have to keep updating it. Uh, the mistakes, the crimes that I committed in the past, I have to view that and correct it. I don't, I don't have to hate it. That's wrong. Because Jesus once, once said, if you hate your life, you're going to repeat it. And he was right. Because whatever you, you hate, you're going to have to reincarnate and fix. You have Can to we... love yourself. And through love, like you're teaching a child. If you have a child and he misbehaves, you're not going to abuse him. We don't, you're not going to hit him. You're going to educate him. That's what we have to do with our past. Else, we're not going to educate it. We're not going to elevate it. it. That is love. Love is education. Love is educating yourself. Going back to your past and correcting. Not hating or fearing or feeling shame of what you did. But healing it, loving it like a child, forgiving the child. We have to forgive ourselves. If we don't yeah, do that, I we agree. cannot be brothers. Yeah, because if you don't forgive, there's disconnect, barriers yes. between. So mm -hmm. yesterday I talked to a Christian who was even at one point interested in uh, the occult and new age ideas. You should. <laughs> but they, mm -hmm. they are afraid, I think, yes. of, of it. And there's a fear. Perhaps you could call it Cartesian, um, was it Cartesian doubt? Um, it's this idea of um, what if all this good sounding stuff is a trick uh, and what if the sky father Yahweh is the true thing not because it's plausible to me or anyone else necessarily not because it's plausible not because it's necessary necessarily appealing or logical necessarily subjectively to the person but maybe because what if i'm wrong i'll suffer for eternity now like how does one grapple with that kind of existential fear or what, okay. whatever that is and how do you help someone or even oneself when faced with those kind of emotions or whatever 
you would describe that experience to be? Well, my dear, dear brother and brothers, what I'm about to mention, please listen to it with an open mind. Do not fear. Do not reject it. Go see it for yourself. I'll start by saying that I spent over 30 years behind a pulpit. Yes, I studied theology. I practiced theology. And I did it to try to wake people up to the truth. Yes, I tried to branch what this religious person is trying to do. I was kicked out worse than a dog. Even though I had evidence showing for what I was saying. And I'll give you some evidence right now. Jesus one time said, Hanau Anoten. What does Hanau Anoten mean in Greek? It's translated as born again. It doesn't say that. It says, return to life again from heaven. That's reincarnation. If I'm not mistaken, I'll go to Matthew, I believe it's Matthew 18, 27. In the regeneration, another mistranslation. The word regeneration is palingenesia. Look it up. Look it up. Palingenesia is the Greek reserved word for reincarnation. He mentioned it by name. Titus 3.5 also uses palingenesia. Something else I'm going to say, and this is to remove religious fear. Let's go to John 5, 39, 40, and 41. The scriptures speak of me. That's not what it says. The scriptures speak of emu. The word emu is not me. It's something I'm giving. Something I'm providing. Something from me. It's not me. It could be interpreted as what I say. What I'm teaching. Let's go to 540. Don't come to me thinking you're going to have life eternal. What? Did you hear that? Better yet, the one that's coming, 541. The key word there is the Greek word doxa. I do not accept adoration from men. Right there, religious creed is destroyed. He doesn't want to be worshipped. He will not save you. And the scriptures he talked about were proof of what he taught. But wow. that is not taught to you. And I could go on and I could go on. I could go on and on and on. Uh, this is why I studied theology. And this is why I began to read original scriptures so that I could wake people up. And online dictionaries that show easy to access translations like this. Is, can anyone do it just yes. from their laptop? 
Yes, go to blueletterbible.org, uh, read up the KGV version, and go into tools for any passage. In tools, you will see what the real translation of the word is. You're going to get about 50 to 60% real translation because even Strong's numbers have been doctored to go along with doctrine. Uh, folks, I have on my website, and on my YouTube channel, I have evidence, like you can't believe, of everything that the church did to hide information. Goodness gracious, there's even a writing from uh, St. Jerome's, his Vita, where he was told to translate something from um, one, of the, one of the founders, one of the ver very famous founders of the church. And it was told for better or for worse, translate it the way it is. Well, he did. And when he showed it to the authorities, they became alarmed and they shoved it into a drawer. They locked it. Why? Because this forefather was speaking of reincarnation. It gives you something else. St. Matthias, when Judas died, and this is in Acts chapter one, chapter two, St. Matthias is mentioned. He took Judas's place as a disciple. You should read St. Matthias's work and Bartholomew and all of his generations that speak that Jesus taught reincarnation. Not only that, there are records, historical records and books that speak that Peter learned reincarnation from the master. But around the year 550, that's when the Inquisition began. Uh, even even Vigilius, Pope, was put in jail for the, for these beliefs, and uh, people were being burnt alive and waterboarded alive in front of the emperor. Anyone who believed in reincarnation, look at the Valdenses, the Bulganes, all all of these. Populations were wiped out of the map. And the church says it's because they believed in the Shabbat, in the Sabbath. Well, did you know that Shabbat means reincarnation? Oh, Shabbat. so they covered up what they even did and why? Hello, Shabbat, three words, shin, bet, tab, I'll describe them. Shin is to, to rest, to let go of the world. Bait. A favor in his eyes. Uh, look at Jamatra and you'll get the answers. But it basically means you have this flame, you have this obscurity, you want to come towards the flame. Uh, and if you remember Star Trek, the Vulcan salute, that's the signal for bait. Spock, Leonard Nimoy was an Ashkenazi Jew. And he knows this very well. He knew this, he just passed. The last letter, Tav, means the seal of God, his coming and reincarnation. Look it up. So what do those three letters mean? Because that's how you translate Hebrew. Otherwise you can't translate it. Shabbat means die of the world, go to heaven, study from their fountains and return to life to express what you learned at these fountains. And where are those fountains? Shambhala. Right, right, okay. I've got two more questions. Uh, one of them is um, these resources for the Bible. Do you know of anything else for 
the Bible, for Hinduism, for any of these organized religions that have been controlled. Do you know of the um, equivalent resources where you can find real translations or such? Strong's is about the best source that you can you can go to. I highly, highly recommend reading the original Masoretic text for Hebrew and using Strong's H references, uh, reading the Septuagint in its legitimate original version using Strong's G references. You will find them in Blue Letter Bible. Uh, it's free of charge and you can go out and do your research, but you're going to be shocked with the choice of words that are used to translate. I, my brother, I have asked, I don't have this sort of money, but it would be equivalent to about 30,000 euros of anyone who would like to go into a synagogue and talk about the Old Testament and see if they survive. Nobody knows what Pesha Shamem is. Even Jesus used it, referencing to Daniel. Daniel 8, 14 to 16 talks about 2,300 days. The word is not days. It is Ereb Buker. Ereb Buker means uh, uh, sundown to sunup. That's half a day. It's not a full day. 2,300 days of Pesha Shamem. That's uh, the, uh, tran indescribable transgression. We find Ereb Boker again in Genesis. Genesis chapter 1. The six days of creation. Six Ereb Bukeres. And we begin to tie together Tohu and Bohu, another two words. The earth was destroyed and empty. That's not what Tohu and Bohu means. The earth was destroyed and in vague ruins. Then later on in, the, in uh, uh, Jeremiah, we read chapter four and on that the earth was not created, destroyed. So wait a minute. So why in the beginning was the earth destroyed in vague ruins? What, what ruins? What cities were destroyed? Atlantis. Further back. If you use Peshashemem numbers to calculate the days back from Adam, and I have this all in, my, in a video, it ends up in the year 74,000 BC. The destruction of Lemuria. Oh, wow. It's the destruction of Lemuria. Then comes Eden. Eden means paradise. Garden of Eden means, guess what? Paradise in an enclosure, like a corral. An island. And in the east, east doesn't mean it's over somewhere in Asia. No. The word east means 
or uh, translates into knowledge. And I'll give you another tip. Genesis chapter six, verse four. In those days, there were giants before and after the sons of God who impregnated women. The giants did not impregnate women. It were the sons of God. And before verse four, it's talking about who the sons of God were. And it begins to say, as, as the sons of God began to multiply on this earth, the word nephil, nephilim, mm -hmm. when you translate it correctly, it means wise men from Orion. Wait, um, there are theories about them. Some people, a lot of, there are people who say that they are... Um, Or in the left-hand path? No. They have to. They really have to translate it correctly. They they were wise men, wise kind men from constellation of Orion. It is indisputable. That's what it means. And they were not. They were the masters. They were not the the ones that impregnated women. It's the sons of man. But what's interesting is they were here before and after the sons of man the sons of man were in this world but they were here before they were were there any from beyond that weren't friendly well that's another mystery that i can i can i can help bring to to light by looking at numbers 1333 so the spies come back from canaan and they say, well, there's giants over there. We can't go there. Giants, the same word, Nephilim. There are wise men from Orion over there. That's what they were saying. And they didn't want to go against them. But guess what? They were violating orders. Uh, and they turned against Moses. So Yahweh turned against them. You know what Yahweh did? He had them walk around the desert for 40 years until they all died. I, I have a question. But, but I don't before, want to. Before that question, before that question this is very important. Yahweh was going to attack the wise, kind men from Orion? That should answer your previous question. Yahweh. Yahweh. He was not God. The word means boss, representative. It doesn't mean God. Okay. So who was he? Why is the mountaintop on Habal Alaus burnt to a crisp? What landed there? It had to be at least 16 kilometers long. There's a it lot of mysteries. Enormous. Still. I mean, you're talking about a giant spaceship or something. But I'm wondering... I don't want to be in this. Um, I don't want to have this sort of, well, this is the right doctrine or that's the right doctrine. Um, and then sort of like, like with a religion or something, say, no, that's false. That's good. Those are the good guys. Those are the bad guys. 
that that is a sort of egoic thing nevertheless i'm a bit confused right now because the law of one and the raw material says that the orion confederation is aligned with and with that those the orion wars and that they are attack people and trying to get people to be uh, you know closed-hearted essentially now maybe they're not all the same like but um it seems to be information that isn't saying the same thing but maybe maybe there is a way where it all makes sense together rather than one being wrong or one being right i just i don't really can you help me understand <laughs> it's very difficult too and it's very difficult it's almost unavoidable in order to, uh, to bring meaning to what it is that we're being told through different, yes, different doctrines, different beliefs, different channelers. Uh, bottom line is, yes, out there, there are good guys and there's not so good guys. Uh, in Orion, you will find the same thing. On this planet, you will find the same thing. Bottom line is that the not so good guys have a foothold and have had a foothold on this planet for quite some time. You know, you can easily identify oh, there's this group and there's that group. I mean, I, I watched this video the other day and someone was talking about how, and in fact, I think it was Jordan Peterson, actually. He was talking about how you might mentally picture, let's say, uh, progressives or conservatives or any other ideology as like um, one whole. And it, in a sense, we are one, but you, you don't focus on the fact that there's a variety of polarity or ethics or whatever you might call it but of course in a whole species that's going to be even more the case not even less and there's so much we don't know about who came here when from where and what kind of people they were from there that we don't know you can't just say oh well they're from the rhyme therefore they're the bad guys uh, uh or they're from this place well they're from the good guys um you might identify a group as the good guys and they might have had bad people coming over or bad people coming over now or here now of that. Um, yeah. So thank you. Um, I've got this idea of what I know and I can't let it get in the way of um, learning. It's very difficult because yeah. if I have, if I have an ethos, is ethical spirituality. And that means trust, but verify. Research, prove it, have evidence. And there are a lot of people who are saying things that have no evidence, no meaning. They're making it up. We have to be very sharp when we hear other people speak. And I always tell anyone that listens to me is, please don't believe me. What I've said, put it to the test, go to the research. You got the references, go check it out, do the work.
I don't want to do all of the work for you. You have to do some of it. Go figure it out. Uh, there are some things that are beyond proof in this world. I realize that. A lot of that has been said here. Uh, all I can say is that that which I have brought back, that I have drawn, videos, whatnot, people have, have watched them and all of a sudden they say, now I know where I was. I didn't know what this place was. Now I know. I've been there. Uh, that is ethical spirituality. Proof. Uh, never believe anything that's said unless you first put it to the test. It may sound very pretty, but you know, even my, my five-year-old son can write pretty words. Anybody I have two questions. That? Yes. Um, firstly, in relation to what you said, what is the role of intuition and things that, you know, intuitively ascertaining things without necessarily having evidence? And secondly, um, what does free, me free will mean to you? Perfect questions. Uh, free will. Free will is the channel for intuition. Free will is not the egos. Free will is the consciousness. The ego, remember, is just a tape recorder. That's all it is. It's memory. We're memory lane here. That's all we are. We don't have free will. Free will is what's gotten us where we are, trying to steal it from the consciousness. Let the consciousness, the father, the creator, let that be the free will because it's the intelligent source. It's the source that sees into the future, into the past. It's what brought us here to learn. We don't, you don't have free will in school. You have to do your homework. You have to get an A, you have to take a test. You have to give a speech in front of the class. You have no free will. So we, we have, have free will as the creator, but we don't have free will as a, an imaginary personality. You can embezzle it for a consciousness and that's what we do. We say, oh the, yeah, you wanna rule us? No way, I'm gonna do what I want. What about uh, violation of free will? What is that? Violation of free will, that's what we do. We violate the consciousness free will and we assume it. We so there's these energies that we're interlocking with us, right? And what we do uh -huh. is when we try to claim and control it, that without consent of the other energies, Oh, answer my question. Yes, you did. Imagine, imagine you are in a uh, a soldier platoon. You have fifty soldiers out there, and you send them out to the field to battle. You give them ammunition, you give them guns, you give them grenades, uh, protective hats, whatever else. You don't tell them where the enemy is. You don't tell them who the enemy is. You give them no strategy. Just go take care of it. That is what the ego does with the rest of my brothers and sisters. You see, I take matters into my own hand uh, and I don't follow direction. I'm one of those soldiers, whomever I see, I shoot. That's gotta be an enemy. 
free will is taking direction and learning and correcting. That is the intuition. The intuition is to listen to your ego and don't do or say what it's telling you to. It says, well, hold on a second. Hold on a second. You want me to do this. Why? You want me to feel angry. Why? You want me to say this to this person or, or think this about this person. Stop. Why? Well, I think this and this and this is, oh, why? Well, it's because of this. Why? Get down to the root of why. Children get it. And that's why we are what we are. We're independent soldiers. We take, we take no will from the father, from the creator. We do what we want and we do it carelessly. Because we are basic unintelligent beings. And we think we are supreme, that we're super smart, super developed, uh, that we're gods. Uh, we went to college. I've got a PhD and I don't know what. That makes me superior to everybody else. Oh, I have news for you. We're Missing equal to everyone creation. else. Yes. If we're all in this world, it's because we suffer the same pandemental disease. It's a pandamenta, mental disease. We all suffer it. We're all selfish. And it's we're all ignorant. So, and like, would you agree that there's, there's two ways of interpreting, like, uh -huh. Oh, sorry, I interrupted that. Putting my ego. Uh, but there's uh, <laughs> two <laughs> ways of uh, interpreting the idea of us being God, right? One would be, oh, I'm God and I'll lord it over them because I'm God. But like, we're all God. So, like, we're all like this part of sparks on a tree or something, right? And why would you? claim that our bit of where we are is better than the other bits whether it's higher or lower or whatever like mm -hmm. yeah exactly let's say that you're in a building in in the first floor you have legos so you go play with the legos and you construct things with a lego on the second floor you have bolts nuts uh, metal plates and you can put together metallic contraptions things uh, in the third floor, you have maybe tomatoes, salads, uh, foods, things that you can cook together. In each floor, you have a different expression. So some of us are in a different expression level doing different things than others. So the person on the third floor, the cook, can't tell the people how to, how to best build a Lego. We can't interfere. The Lego maker can't go to the second floor and tell the guy, well, you're screwing this, this bolt wrong. If the, if, if the person in the second floor calls somebody for an opinion in the first floor, then it's okay to interfere and to give your concept. Other, otherwise, don't. That makes so much sense. This is how free will works. And assistance. In Sorry. So but the assistance with our ascension, we can only get what we ask for, and we can only ask what we know to ask for. And that's why we only get a certain amount, right? Exactly. My model is I don't go to any website. I don't go to anybody. I don't give any information unless I am asked. I don't provide it. And as I provide it, I am always sensing, feeling 
to see, okay, what should I say in common for everyone to get a push into what they should be studying? Uh, I don't speak to teach. I speak to get people motivated to study and to research and to find out for themselves. Uh, an American, Benjamin Franklin, once repeated the phrase that men are best convinced by reasons that they themselves discover. So the best way to learn is you. You are your own teacher. You have no other teacher. Don't follow anyone. Don't repeat what others say. Take it within yourself in secret. Study it. Learn it. Become your own master because you come equipped with one. No other human knows you like you know yourself and what you need. Anyone that allows others to follow them is going to deviate you from your true mission. Don't follow yeah. anyone. And if you do, that will be what makes you afraid of the other messages. Exactly. So I, I might, you know, it's just, just like me, right? And I'm like, I was like, okay, the law of one says it's like this. Are we saying something about the Orions that sounds positive? <gasps> oh no! But like, um, but of course, what, what do you do in the face of this idea that you could be wrong and it'd be awful if you could be wrong and then bad things will happen because you thought the bad guys were good guys and you got tricked? Well, do your own research. Exactly. You're vulnerable to that thing that you're afraid of if you believe in things like that. Not if you don't. And where does fear, fear come from? It comes from self-protection. And self-protection is selfish. There is a passage in Matthew where Jesus said, if you try to save your life, you're going to lose it. But if you lose it, you're going to gain it. And what he's talking about is to lose the life that you have here, your ignorance. Drop what you know. Restart, research, question yourself. But go inside your own closet of your own self and figure stuff out right there. Don't lean on anyone. You know, carry me, take me over there, show me. No, do it yourself. Have no fear of making a mistake. Have no fear of being wrong research work for it be your own master but do it without fear because it's better it's better in the eyes of creation it's better for you to try and fail than fail by not trying yeah and we've been like relying on authority for a long time and like okay this is how you do it we're told how to do it like we're coming to a situation where increasingly people get more self-employed. And what I sense is that that is a shift towards figuring it out ourselves. We may be part of something larger, but let's um, try to figure it out. Like there's a, maybe with a sense of fun, like a child exploring the world because that's yes. all we're ever doing anyway. Right. So why not, I mean, if you're wondering, oh, God, it sounds so hard, difficult to research all this stuff, like, well, I mean, if that's your attitude, yeah, will we? I mean, like, or it could be 
really fun. How, how did you feel when you explored and found out and learned about so much of this? Uh, I will have to go ahead and drop because I have another appointment to go to here pretty quickly, but this is going to be key. I was 23 years old and I had, uh, shall we say, a live vision where I was taken in, in live consciousness. I wasn't asleep or anything, and this happens very often, to Venus. I was embraced by a master and, and several brothers that I have met before. And I was told, teach them how to live. And I was returned. And I thought about that for the longest time. Oh, so I'm supposed to teach. That's not what they meant. How to live. I don't know how to live. How do you live? Well, if I only figured it out, it was demonstrate how you live. Demonstrate. Show. Don't force yourself. Don't sell yourself. Don't do propaganda on what you know. Don't try to stick out like a sore thumb, trying to appear like a master to everybody. Just share by being silent. Show yourself with your love, your kindness, your understanding of other people. And learn to love yourself as you would love your neighbor. Because if you can't love yourself, you cannot love anybody else. You cannot understand them. And if you can't love someone else, you cannot not understand God. There's no way. You start with you. And you start by showing what you are. You can't hide what you are. You have to be sincere and valiant. You have to be constantly watching your thoughts and educating them. And if you make a mistake, you will show something better of yourself from it. You will keep moving forward. You're not going to betray God by saying, well, I'm too ugly, I'm too bad, I'm too negative, I'm gonna quit. Like you say in America, excuse me, hell no. You gotta keep moving forward. You gotta improve your thoughts, your, your soul, your understanding of creation, and then you have to show for it. Sustain it, demonstrate it, put it to the test. Uh, it doesn't matter how difficult the situation is doesn't matter how much they attack you or they hate you love back understand that that's they have the right to be that way just as in other lifetimes and other moments you have been rude you have been angry you have mistreated other people you had the right to do it and god never terminated you so what right do you have to terminate other people or treat them bad when god never treated you that way god doesn't condemn you do so your purpose in life is to not only understand yourself, but the same way that you analyze and you educate yourself, you have to do that to others. That's what life is really about. There's no religion involved. There's no science that's going to help you. It's going to be your own sincerity and your own. you have to fall in love with love. You have to fall in love with truth and prove it. Thank you. Thank you so much. Um, I, I really benefited from this and I, I sense that um, viewers 
and listeners in the future and the past are are enjoying it too. So um, I would love to interview you again because I feel like there's a lot we could talk about beyond this. And um, well, without further ado, because you have somewhere to go <laughs> and um, <laughs> yeah, and uh, life goes on. Uh, have a great day, everyone. And um, bye for now. <laughs>